Hey everyone, it's Vicky Guerrero and welcome to season four of the Excuse Me podcast. I am internally grateful to my incredible fans who support me on a daily basis. I appreciate all your feedback, your comments, your guest ideas, and just for spreading the word to all your family and friends. I also want to show a great deal of appreciation to my social media staff, Michael and Sandra. Both of you are blessings, and I thank you so much for the endless projects that you keep me on track with. And I am so appreciative of both of you. And guys, it is time. It is time to listen to our guest of the week. So grab a snack, get a beverage, and snuggle with your loved one. Get comfortable. And if you're by yourself, that's okay too. And let's get ready to hear this week's episode. See you on the other side. Sorry, I'm like, they made me re-download Zoom. <laughs> Life All sucks. Right. There's my uh, Kamala doll. I have my uh, <laughs> my good luck charm. You're such a mark. Oh, I'm 100% a mark. How my, are you? Uh, my uh, MJF doll here. Where's my fucking doll at? I, don't, I didn't know you had one for sale. I have five behind me. I'll just send you one. No, I'll buy it. I'm all about respect. Here's my Sid Vicious doll uh, for all hail King Sid. And, uh, Still and no many, uh, my, I know I, I have an Abdullah the Butcher doll. I should have a Vicky Guerrero doll. Well, damn. I'm kind of like, my heart's broken right now. My heart's broken. I honestly didn't know you had a doll. Can I get it on AEW.com, I guess? Uh, no, I don't have an AEW one, but you'd probably find it like on eBay or Craigslist. <laughs> well, I'd like to buy one from you directly. I would love to send you one because I would I would be honored. And I would send you an Eddie doll too. How's that? Oh, I mean, I... I you know, your family means so much to me, Vicky. Um, oh, like you're really the the reason I got into wrestling was, uh, I think. Have we started the podcast? Are we started? Yeah, Are let's we- just oh. fucking start. We got this going. Um, one more, one more doll to show you. My uh, Eric Bischoff doll I got at the <laughs> Rick Flairos. Hey, I have a doll for you. Did you get one of these? I'm sure you did. I did. Um, Aren't these incredible? I uh, here it is right there, the uh, Earl Skakel doll. Um, Hi Earl, how are you? <laughs> Hi Vicky. Uh, I mean, I've been doing comedy a very long time. Like people joke around that I'm like the sting of comedy that I probably shouldn't be doing it anymore. But like, um, and I've been paid in all kinds of fashion but to get my own wrestling doll was um the greatest moment of my professional career you've made it to the top i mean i don't know about that uh i'm kind of like samoa joe in that sense it's taken me a minute to get there i really identify with wrestling so much that when i talk about my career i use a wrestler um as a an exi- as a comparison piece. Um, well, you know. we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that because uh, we have some history together. Uh, for those of you who are joining us, uh, this is Earl Skackle, who is 
now my newly formed friend since uh, meeting him at the Ric Flair last match weekend. Uh, Earl, thank you for being on my show. I am just like, I am tickled to death that you said yes, you'd be on my show. I mean, uh, I don't want to blow you up too much, but... Uh, oh, come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I have a secret crush on you, even though I know you're a taken woman. Uh, just because you were so nice that weekend and, you know, uh, that the Saturday, which was, I guess, was like a Comic-Con uh, for wrestling um, after the roast and before the match on Sunday. You were so nice to children and and guys older than me uh, and a lot younger than me. <laughs> it's it like our picture that we took together. I want to take another one when I see you again. I hope it's sooner. Are you, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I know AEW is coming out here um, January 11th. Are you, do you know if you'll be out here? I will. And I was going to tell you that, that I want to be on your show when I go out there. Oh my God. I, I, the honor would be all mine. Um, because, and I told Jay Lethal this, it's, it's hard for me to meet you guys and girls because you guys are so nice. And, <laughs> <laughs> when I see you on TV be mean, it's like I can't believe it anymore. Like, <laughs> like well, the other the other night when um, Jeff Jarrett came back and, and hit Darby Allen over the head, which, which personally I thought was a little too hard, but uh, I I, th I was kind of worried about that one. But you can see Jay Lethal break not breaking character, whatever you want to call it, and and trying to find out if Darby was okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, and you're so nice that now I, I saw you walk out the other night kind of being mean, and I'm like, she's so nice. I, I can't buy it. Well, we're gonna get to all that. So for anyone who's joining us, uh, Earl, you, you have a lot of accolades to your resume, if I may say. I was doing some research on you and not only you're just a comedian, but you're an actor, and oh my gosh, you have a lot of shit to to be commended for. I mean, you're the nephew of Robert and Ethel Kennedy. Is that true? Yes, I am. Are you serious? My dad's sister, yes, my dad's sister is Ethel Kennedy, um, who, for the younger people, uh, was married to Bobby Kennedy, the second brother who got, um, unfortunately, um, killed uh, uh and i think i was born two months before that so um you know there's a lot of death in my family uh, unfortunately um you plane crashes and uh you know drug situations and and certainly in the world of comedy which is why sadly um i told you i might cry talking to you but uh I think pro wrestling and comedy have that in common, unfortunately. Um, Very much so. We've lost seven comics in the last maybe four to five months, um, you know, mostly to suicide and uh, one of natural causes because he was, he was pretty overweight. Um, so it, it's, that's the unfortunate thing you and I share, I guess. I, I think it's also, you know, we go through, you, we do live a similar life because, you know, we go through shows, we go through cities and we see acquaintances and friends. And, you know, I, I have to do better in taking pictures and being present to talk to people. Like 
how are you doing? You know, like have a conversation because it's so easy to go, hey, bye, you know, see you next time. And then you, you're done and you think, gosh, you know, if something happens to that person, I didn't even have time to like stop and like, you know, just get to know them a little bit more. And so life does go by pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar travel schedules. Uh, you know, I'd say, uh, I always tell people comedy is like pro wrestling without the working out <laughs> portion of the, uh, for most of us. Um, uh, you worked out, you worked out though. I do, I, uh, you know, it's my fantasy uh, naturally, which is probably impossible to look like Rick Rude. Um, that's probably not going to happen, but, uh, you know, he was one of my favorites and, uh, you know, look like Eddie. I mean, Eddie, like, you know, this amazing body and, uh, you know, and, and, but I just want to, cause I, I identify so much with pro wrestling, you know, my comedy act is done very much in the vein of, uh, you know, say Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect and a little bit of MJF, uh, and uh so i am probably never going to look like any of the wrestlers i want to but uh, i'll do my best well i've seen you sport like you know the the claims you know shirts says scissor me daddy and <laughs> i mean hell i, I always want to look like sable i that was my dream you know body but that didn't work out too good for me <laughs> listen i gotta be honest with you and, and I, like i say i want to be respectful because i know you're a taken man but when i saw you on stage at the Ric Flair roast. I'm like, damn, she looks good. Like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I tried to look the part, you know, I mean, even though the see, I was compared to a uh, Rosie O'Donnell and I think that was I, me. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but it was all in good fun. I mean, this is the first time I met you. So I was honored that, you know, everyone had a joke for me because, you know, you kind of worry like, you know, compared to like, you know, this is Ric Flair's night, you know, and I just had a little part of it, but when people gave me a joke, I was like, well, shit, man, that's awesome. Like, I laughed along and had a great time, and people were like, are you okay? Was everything all right? I'm like, hell yes, it was great. I mean, I got free PR that night. <laughs> oh, but I mean, in that situation, and I think I could talk for every single comic, um, we were all, you know, this is probably the work, a bad analogy to say, but it was like a make a wish uh, weekend for us. Like, and I don't mean that in a, a you know, a weird way towards the actual make a wish foundation. Uh, but like for me to hang out with um, a lot of wrestlers from the eighties and, and, and current wrestlers like you and to meet the gun brothers. And uh, you know, I, I think I told you this, I almost, I think I did cry three or four times, uh, you know, like, when I met Magnum TA, you know, who was, you know, the only way I can describe him is he was like my generation's John Cena. You know, he was like the perpetual good guy and uh, always being foiled by, you know, Ric Flair and the, the horseman. <laughs> and I, I walked by him and, you know, he looks a little different, but he's still pretty big. And I'm like, my God, I have to, I have to introduce myself to him. And, you know, I, I got down on one knee like I was going to marry him because, you know, I, I didn't want him to, uh, I don't know what his uh, ailment is, but, you know, he's, you know, maybe not in the greatest physical shape. Uh, and I felt myself starting to cry and I said, hey, Mr. T.A., and I'm sure that's not his real na last name. Uh, Do you need some water? Let me go get you some water. And I walked away and I started to cry and, and just because um, 
And the same thing when I met Lex Luger, who like, I don't think any male wouldn't want to look like Lex Luger. Uh, and he was so nice. And like, yeah, you know, I bought uh, this uh, this wrestling doll. Uh, can't really, uh, there we go. And uh, oh, yeah. he uh, asked me if, do you want me to sign it, young man? And I'm like, Lex, we're probably about the same age. So, um, <laughs> and I, I didn't want him to struggle physically with signing it. I'm like, no, I'm okay. And, and he, he literally <laughs> took, took a pen and he, um, he, he kind of like grabbed it like a hammer. And I thought, oh boy, this is going to be an awful looking autograph. And Vicky, it's the most perfect autograph I've ever, like, it, it, it's like a machine did it. It was so, uh, and I you still got it. Yeah. Oh my God. I, you know, I started crying, you know, walking away and, uh, oh, you know, I, I cried when Kamala died and, um, cause he was my first favorite. Um, and, uh, so it's like, you guys, when we were up there roasting you, we didn't mean anything like, Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Cause, uh, you guys mean so much to all of us. And, um, like I said, your family, I think the first wrestling promo I ever remember, maybe about 77. So I was about nine as, uh, I think it was, it was either Chavo or Mondo Guerrero and they were doing a promo against Moondog Maine and, uh, you know, Moondog Maine peeled open a can of dog food and started eating it. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> like, it was not a gimmicked can. It was real dog food. Here's the seal break. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I really did. So that that's what hooked me into wrestling was that promo. And I've been a fan ever since. That's amazing. Now, you're an actor. Uh, you've appeared in The Bench Warmers, The Barry and Rose Show. And you're also appearing on Comedy Central Roast. Um, yeah. You do stand-up comedy. And uh, you're a star for the roast battle, which is pretty, I mean, it fits right into what I know of you. I mean, like, this is the perfect resume for this guy. And you're also <laughs> a star on Adult Swim's The Jellies as Berry Jelly. How'd you get into that? <laughs> well, it's funny, through Roast Battle, um, which uh, I'll use another wrestling reference. Uh, I kind of got kicked off the show. Uh, after this first season because I was very much like the ultimate warrior who, you know, has his detractors. Uh, you know, he's probably my second favorite wrestler. Uh, but, you know, he, when he was alive, you know, he would speak his mind. And most people would be like, uh, he's crazy. But now that he's passed, and you kind of look back at most of the things he said, uh, you're like, oh, he was kind of, He's kind of telling the truth, like yeah. about about the wrestling business, not the political stuff. Uh, and I kind of spoke my mind about my uh, mistreatment on the show, and they were like, uh, "Earl, thank you for your service." Um, <laughs> so, um, but I we were doing the weekly show of roast battle at the comedy store, and uh, there was this young black kid in the crowd, and. Uh, he had a big smile on his face, and I just thought he was a fan. And uh, he came up to me after the show, and uh, he's like, I want you to be the dad on my cartoon. And I'm like, well, who are you? Um, I don't know very many current artists. You know, I, I can tell you who Kiss is and all that, but yeah. it's like, I'm, 
I'm sorry, my name's Tyler, the creator. Now, I still didn't know who it was. I'm like, great, I'm Earl the comic. Uh, and <laughs> turns out Tyler is, now I know him, he's one of the biggest uh, artists in the world. Um, he's like a P. Diddy, uh, Kanye type. Uh, wow. And so he, it's an all black cartoon and I'm the only white guy on it. Um, so it's, um, it's an interesting cartoon, but that's his sense of humor is I want a white guy to play the father. And, you know, so, uh, and he asked me one question before he got the, gave me the job and, you know, Hollywood, you know, it's like a pro wrestler doing one indie show and someone said, Hey, I'm going to make you a star. It, that probably doesn't happen too much. Uh, so this never happens in Hollywood where you get offered a, cause I had no voiceover experience. Um, so to be told, I'm going to make you the lead on a show that's going to be on three different networks, uh, HBO, Adult Swim, the Cartoon Network, it's, it's unheard of. Um, and he was like, I just have one question, Earl, before I change your life. Um, now, I'm not going to use the exact word he said, but he said, you're going to be the only white guy in the cartoon. Are you comfortable with that? I'm like, yeah, I play basketball. Don't worry about it. Um, and then he was like, all right, well, now that you know you're going to be working with an all-black cast, uh, can you say the N-word on camera? And I'm like, and get paid? And uh, we've been friends ever since. That's amazing. How long have you been doing that for? Well, we started in um, 2016. And we, we've done three seasons, but it, and the show never got canceled. It's still actively on the air, but he's so busy. Uh, and I don't want to say unfortunately, but uh, that he doesn't have time to do it anymore. So, um, but in the cartoon world, you know, there's like Bob's Burgers, I think was off the air for three years and then it came back. So, um I, you know, I, I think I need the cartoon a little more than he does, but uh, hopefully it comes back. But it, it's probably not, to be honest with you, but, you know, never say never. That's right, especially in our business. You never say never because things come and go and come back again. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Warrior. If you uh, said in 2013 he's going to be uh, shaking hands with Vince and Hulk, you'd be like, you're crazy. They hate each other. And then... <laughs> they were in the hall a year later he's in the hall of fame so yeah that's incredible um so you have a podcast called uh the inappropriate earl is that correct yes i have a that's my own podcast where i i've had a, actually chavo guerrero jr on uh i, I you know i i'm not gonna lie to you vicky i like you too much I, most people i ask say no uh but, really yeah i'm i'm you know, I'm not a famous comic, but I'm not unknown. I mean, that, I guess you'd say I'm a mid-carder, uh, you know. I mean, I'm an enhancement comic. Um, so, but Chavo said yes instantly. He came over to my house and put his feet up on my couch. Now, normally, if anyone put my put their feet up on my couch, I'd kick their ass. But, uh, yeah, that wasn't really an option with him. So, uh, and. <laughs> I think I cried uh, when he was uh, over because, you know, we talked about Eddie and, and you know, other um, wrestlers who, who are no longer with us. And, uh, you know, even though I, you know, I haven't met most of these guys, 
you know, uh, I still get emotional, like, because I, uh, I got to co-host Roddy's podcast the last six months of his life. And uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, you know, he was like a superhero to me. Uh, so I think he saw me at the comedy store one night and I was, you know, I probably, I am a Mark Vicky and, uh, you know, so I get upset when my guy loses and, uh, or girl, uh, you know, one night uh, I was doing a set at the comedy store and I was, angry about how sting was treated in his only wrestlemania match it still bothers me yeah uh, and roddy came up to me <laughs> well you know i don't know who his manager was and i don't want to get you in trouble but uh i don't really think uh triple h should have gone over sting in his first match uh, in my opinion but uh, you know i love you <laughs> You know, uh, I, I got a lot of problems with that match. And that's 10 years ago. I'm still, like, juiced up about it. Uh, and so Roddy was like, why don't you come on the podcast and talk about it? And, and then after I did that, his manager was like, hey, you have good chemistry with Roddy. And sometimes he loses his place. Do you want to be a sidekick? And you can be the bad guy. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So, uh no, it was like, it was still uh, special to me. So I, I do have uh, my own podcast and I do the Comedy Store Wrestling Podcast, which is, uh, I'd like you to do both podcasts while you're here, to be honest with you. I would love to. You know, I was I was snooping at all your videos and I love your layout with your podcast because everyone sits on your couch and it's really funny because you can see the mirror reflecting you actually photographing. I know. Um, I, I think that's hilarious because, you know, I, you know, just, it's very relaxed atmosphere. And I just, I love just how everyone just be it themselves. Sometimes when you go into a studio, you know, you get to be proper and you have to, you know, everything's censored and everything is, you know, time. And it just, it was kind of cool that you just kind of take it at your own pace. And I try and do the same where everyone just, you know, come as you are and just relax and let's just shoot the shit and let's have fun. And I, I love your style. Well, I mean, I, I'm, like, especially when I have wrestling related people on, uh, uh, you know, I had Virgil on and, you know, that was, uh, <laughs> was an interesting interview to say the least. He uh, really just talked about how big his dangling is for an hour. Um, Always talks about that. I get bored. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I would too. I, I'm not sure if it's as big as he says it is, uh, but, uh, you know, and I, uh, when I had Bischoff come on, I mean, he came to my house and like, I could barely get out words. I'm like, oh my God, this is the Monday Night Wars, the basically creator. And, uh, you know, I have so oh, much respect for him. Oh, I mean, I respect anyone who goes up against, I mean, he had Ted Turner's money, so it was probably helpful. But, uh, you know, to go up against the WWE, you know, like you guys are in AEW, uh, you know, it's, uh, I always root for the underdog. And, uh, you know, because I, I know you, probably believe this as well I, I think wrestling's always better when both companies are doing good um, that's right and you know you could see like the last i think four dynamites on AEW have been amazing um and the rampage has been great too uh because you know wwe you know they they got bray wyatt and so that probably i was hoping he'd end up in AEW, but like, you know yeah, he didn't. But, <laughs> i was hearing that you were talking about how you do everything for your podcast 
and I guess that's why I got attracted to you because like I, I do the interview, I produce, I edit, I load everything into the, you know, into my app. Like it takes a lot of work. How do you find the time with all your shows and doing roasts and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if you're a night person, you get it all done, but I mean, it's, it's a lot of work for you to keep up because it's up to us to market ourselves. Oh, hundred percent. Um, it's, uh, you, you make the time, you know, um, I mean, podcasts now are really the, the way to promote, uh, whether you're a wrestler, a comic, um, I mean, not too many actors promote their acting on, on a podcast, but in our business, I can, um, reach out to thousands of people in Florida, Texas, Canada, uh, um, and, you know, I can interact with your fans, you know, hopefully my fans interact with you and, it's really a watch my back, I'll watch yours type of gig. And um, I mean, it is harder. Uh, I mean, obviously, right now, my background is my kitchen. Uh, I, I'd like to uh, change that at, and do what you're doing with pictures of Eddie and you. And, and uh, so, oh, yeah, no, I love it. Uh, so, you know, it's always you can always improve. I mean, Sure, I would love to have Joe Rogan's numbers, uh, and, and Joe's an awesome guy. Uh, His salary? <laughs> yeah, I would not mind. Uh, I could just win the Powerball. It's at $2 billion right now. So uh, We're trying so hard. Every night we're, like, buying our tickets. Like, it's, like, one, 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 like, three million chance that you can win. Like, that's, that's insane. But the way I look at it is some idiot has to win. So, uh we all have the same chance really. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'm not the most technically savvy person to be honest. So my editing is very low level. Um, now when I do the comedy store wrestling podcast, it's amazing. They, I just sit down, we do an hour and a half or whatever it is. And I leave and they edit it 4k cameras, uh, you know, uh, probably a, couple hundred thousand dollars of recording equipment um so uh but you know we we don't really do zoom right now except we did it for bischoff uh because you know not a lot of pro wrestlers live in la um you know they're texas and in the south uh i'll assume for tax reasons i get it uh so it, it's uh we have to rely on like when aw's here in january and, and and even then you guys are so busy we, you know if i could i'll pick you up wherever you're staying uh and i'll be your escort uh, i don't mean that way but like uh you know whatever you need in january vicky uh please i think that's incredible because i saw that we were going to be there in la and i'm like i i'm not gonna wait for his invite i'm gonna invite myself i love it yeah i'm gonna beat you to the punch so to speak <laughs> <laughs> I was at the last show at the forum. I can't call it the Kia Forum. I, it's the forum to me. Uh, and that was the very, very famous, uh, I guess, MJF pipe bomb speech. And uh, that was really something special to see live. <laughs> yeah, but, he's incredible. I, I love him. I mean, uh, I love him because... Uh, I, and I don't, I, I don't know. He's he's so young that I, I don't know how much of the 80s pro wrestling that he saw. Um, he kind of strikes me as the type that would be a student of the game. 
and uh, like I, I do see a little bit of Rick Rude in him, you know, the cockiness and and the uh, Mr. Perfect kind of I'm better than you. Uh, so uh, I, I love wrestlers who kind of pay homage to the past, you know, like with Ray Phoenix. I know he does uh, not a lot, but he, he does Eddie tributes uh, in some of his moves. All the time, and, uh, yeah. So, I, yeah. Uh, so I like uh, when the younger generation pays respect to the guys and girls, um, you know, from the past, because you don't see that a lot. Like in my business, it's like, well, I'm here now. I don't care who did this before me. It, it's me, 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 me. So, um, yeah. like a lot of my, know, like you could see it with, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish. You said a lot of what? Well, I mean, like you could see, um, in that promo, if, and I'm not trying to just promote AEW. You did not ask me to say this. You know, I'm I'm I much prefer your company to the other. Um, I really do. I, I just, uh, but that's another podcast. Uh, but you can see the respect, MJF. For sure. Yeah, no, I mean Tony Khan, if you're out there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he probably does listen to this. Uh, um, the respect MJF was showing us, Stephen Regal. Uh, like you can feel it. Like okay, you you were basically me, thirty years ago or twenty years ago, whatever. Uh, well, let's say thirty years ago. Um, and that's, I I love as a fan seeing that. Pretty incredible. So let's talk about your industry because you know, like with us, we kind of know how the story is going in our you know line of work, where we kind of know what to expect and what our promos are going to be like and what we're going to do for the next week. How is it that you prepare for a roast or much less a stand-up show? Because, you know, for, for you to be in one location, like say you're always in LA doing stand-up, you have to be pretty diversive, you know, with your material because you probably get the same audience that loves comedy that comes, you know, maybe like once a month or twice a month. That's going to put a lot of stress and pressure on you to be innovative and keep the fans, you know, coming back to watch you. Well, I mean, I'll a I'll answer the roast question first, just because uh, you know the wrestling roast was pretty easy to write for because, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm such a fan. Um, I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> but I mean, of everyone, this roast specifically, when I heard it was happening, I reached out to the Iron Sheik's manager, uh, Paige Majin, and I said. You know, I think it was just announced. I called him. You got to get me on this roast. He called, and he's such a good manager. He called me back an hour later. You're on it as a writer. I'm like, I don't want to be on it as a writer. Uh, you know, I'm not the best writer, but I'm a performer. So I'm like, I, I want to be on the stage. I, I want to be roasting. Calls me back an hour later. You're on the roast. Uh, wow. So I knew all all of you guys already. You know, DDP and and uh, I don't know if he prefers Bubba. Bubba Ray or Bully Ray, I don't want to call him the wrong name. Uh, um, uh, Brian Nobbs, uh, Bischoff, you, uh, Tori Wilson. So it was pretty easy to write for. It, uh, <laughs> but it was but it was hard because, you know, like you said, we don't know each other. So I don't know if you have a sense of humor or not, uh, you know, or DDP, you know, or, or even Ric Flair, you know, because I'm sure Ric Flair was looking at all of us going, who the fuck are these people? Uh, and I wouldn't blame them. Uh, 
but they were, uh, you know, we went for it and, and, uh, and I think you guys, everyone had a, a sense of humor. I don't think anyone took anything personal cause it's not personal. Like it's just, cause a roast like that night is we're paying tribute. Um, you know, we all love you. I mean, DDP uh, has provided me great moments. Uh, everyone on that stage, really. Um, and uh, and Ty Domi, uh, I'm a big, big hockey fan. Um, so to be on the stage with Ty Domi was like mind blowing to me. Um, so now roast battles a little different because it's not paying tribute. You know, it, roast battle is hurt them before they hurt you. So it's very much like a wrestling promo. Um, you want to say something mean before they say something mean about you. So, um, but then stand up is I've been doing it for so long. I think about 22 years. Um, it might be long. I don't even remember when I started, to be honest with you. It's been that long. Um, uh, I have so many jokes in my head that no set with me is the same. Um, you know, so if I, I'm a very visual person, so uh, I walk out there and it's very risky how I do it. I have no idea what my first joke is going to be. Um, really? But you don't I have see a, I mean, I'm pretty polished, you know, uh, like uh, I guess you'd in the wrestling world, you'd say I'm a good ring technician. So there's not much I haven't seen. So if I see like uh if I saw you in the front row, here's this pretty Hispanic lady. I might go and do a Hispanic joke. Um, if I see a, an older gentleman with a young girl, which the other night I did, it was literally this guy was probably about Rick's age, and the girl was early 30s, uh, uh, that if like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, hell, it might have been Rick. Uh, so I'll, I'll go off and do an age gap joke uh, because – you know, most of the girls I date, you know, I'm 54, so they're all younger than me. Um, so I might go and do a personal dating story. Or if I see an African-American couple, I might do the cartoon story. Um, and so uh, I don't get heckled too much, so I don't have to deal with that. Because, uh, you know, I, I present a very um, pro-wrestling-like demeanor on stage. I've got the skin-tight leather pants. I've got you know, the other night I had a Jay Lethal shirt on. And like, so I, I'm pretty scary looking up there. So not many people um, heckle me. Uh, so I don't have to deal with that, luckily. And uh, But I love doing it still 22 years in. So um, That's incredible. I mean, if I did it for the money or the girls, uh, you know, in L.A., I would have quit three months in because there is no money. Uh, when you first start, it's very much like wrestling. Like you just don't start off being Eddie or, or Hulk Hogan or, you know, uh, you know, even MJF I saw, uh, I was watching, there's this weird uh, independent promotion. I think it's called championship comedy. And it's, uh, they actually do it at the Irvine improv. They set up a ring in the middle of the club and a very young MJF was wrestling and you, I would guess he didn't even get paid for this match. And it was probably maybe four years ago. So, um, you know, it, it's, I mean, I did a lot, a lot of free work. The, the, probably the first decade I basically paid to do comedy. 
I remember when Eddie started, he was getting paid a sandwich and a six pack of beer in Mexico City. And to us, that was like dinner. We were like, yeah, we'll take it. Like, it's better than nothing. You know, I mean, at least we had dinner for the night. But yeah, it's, it's the sacrifices that, you know, you talk about that that's your love for what you want to do, you know, and um, it, who are your mentors when you started comedy? What got you into comedy? Did you ever think about being a pro wrestler? Like, who was I mean, when younger? When I, well, my dad took me to the Olympic Auditorium uh, and, oh boy, this is maybe the early 80s and um for younger fans out there, the Olympic Auditorium was the wrestling um, mecca in, in Los Angeles anyway, because uh, uh, the WWF at the time and, and certainly the NWA and, and they didn't really come to LA much because you know the, they probably were worried they couldn't fill an arena. Um, but the Olympic Auditorium was like where the big shows were and uh, he was a, his best friend at the time and this is a name you might not even know. It was a very famous wrestler from the 50s and 60s named Billy Varga. Um, and he was um, like a Pat Patterson type era, you know, uh, in the early 60s. And he, he started refereeing. So we went there to meet him. And uh, my dad just left me backstage at a WWF event in the early 80s. Not the greatest parenting move. Um and this was my first indicator of maybe wrestling wasn't completely real, like in terms of where a particular wrestler is from. Uh, I saw Kamala putting on golf pants and a golf shirt. And I was just staring at him. Like, I, I, I can remember like it, it's happening right now because he was so big, 6'6", six, six, uh, 350, any emotions for me to come over? <laughs> I was petrified. And he extends his hand. He's like, hello, young man. My name's Jim. And I, there's like a real awkward silence. So, like, uh, your name's not Jim. You're Kamala. And what are you doing speaking English? And he kind of laughed. And I think he called a Brook, nah, uh, kimchi over who was his manager. And I, it might have been the Brooklyn Brawler. I, I think he was kimchi for, uh, there was a few kimchis. Uh, and he's like, hey, I'm Steve. I'm like, wait, what the, my mind was blown. It's like, you're not Asian. And what, why are you talking without your mask? Uh, and so when I saw the size of these guys and, and a few of the girls, uh, I think I saw the fabulous Moolah back there. I was like, I don't think I can do pro wrestling. I, I just, like, I have a good body for a comic. But uh, I'm no, I, I'm like maybe a little bit bigger than Spike Dudley. So, yeah. um, <laughs> or Ray Mysterio, you, you have an advantage over him. I did. Well, he has a great body. I think he could kick my ass. Uh, hell, I think Dominic could probably. Uh, the weird thing about Dominic, and I'm not, Dominic, I'm not roasting. <laughs> to me, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong, Dominic, to me, and no one gets this when I say this, he looks like a baby giant Gonzalez. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, if you remember, if you remember people who remember giant Gonzalez, he, he, he was a very large man, but that's the guy they put in the muscle suits. It didn't look very good. <laughs> um, so, but how I got into comedy was most of my friends were 
agents and managers at, at the big agencies, you know, William Morris and ICM and CAA. And, and uh, they're like, Earl, just get into comedy. You're the funniest guy we know. And they had major clients, like famous, famous comics. So that gave me an initial confidence. But then when I got into the business, they all left to get into real estate. So, uh, you know, I, I struggled for a very, very long time. Um, and I think I'm one of the more uh, respected comics in LA, not for my comedy, but just for the fact that I didn't quit. <laughs> so here who's I your, am. Who's your Mount Rushmore for comedians, in your opinion? Well, that's a tough one because growing up in the 70s uh, and, and early 80s, my I wasn't really influenced by stand-ups. Uh, I more liked television shows like uh, All in the Family, which was, um, you know, at, you gotta, you, well, you get in younger kids and, and, and probably anyone under 40 won't, they could probably watch an episode of All in the Family and go, this is kind of boring. But uh, to go um, to do the material that they were doing um, in the 70s, on a major network, you know, there were only three networks at the time. There, there was no cable TV. And to cover the issues that they were covering in a funny way, you know, racial issues, um, uh, you know, uh, abortion, uh, sexual assault, uh, homosexuality. In the 70s, on uh, network TV was unheard of. Um, and the lead actor, Archie Bunker, or Carol O'Connor, um he was basically portrayed as a white racist like a dumb racist and i gravitated toward not the racist part but how they made him likable even though what he was saying was horrible yeah um, i agree yeah that's that's true <laughs> and you know there was another tv show that virtually no one saw but me but uh which is why it probably only aired for three seasons but uh, it was called The White Shadow, and it was a show about a, an NBA player. He blows out his knee. He can't play anymore, so he coaches basketball in the ghetto. And it was, um, it was like an ensemble version of the All in the Family. It was really, this is 1979 uh, on Channel 2 on Monday nights. And it was the same kind of storylines, you know, uh, about high school age kids experiencing uh, interactions with gay people for the first time and, and uh, sexual assault. And, um, you know, the rate, you know, there was one Hispanic guy on the team, mostly black players and one Jewish guy, which uh, so it was a, a lot of the episodes were based on the, I guess the minorities interacting and, and the stereotypes. So the, the, those were really my first, um, comedy mentors um just the writing on the shows was so good um like the episode of all in the family where sammy davis visits archie bunker's house it, it's i think it's the greatest 10 minutes of of sitcom tv ever because it was the racial jokes that you know they were doing and and you know now it'd be probably boring to people because there's no explosions or you know uh you know and I'm, i guess i'm old school in that way like 
I prefer my even my wrestling, you know, like in the mid eighties, because you thought it was real, like in terms of the storylines. And you know, I watched a NWA match the other night. Uh, it was Nikita Koloff uh, against some jobber, and I really thought he was from Russia. Like, like, oh no, he's from Minnesota. Like, what? Uh, so I didn't really, and I still don't really. Um, so to answer your Mount Rushmore question from 40 minutes ago, I'll, I'll I, I'm giving you a bit of a fake answer because I don't really look up to other stand-ups as much, but um, I would say Dice Clay um, because, you, you know, what he did with no social media, I think will never be done again. You know, selling out arenas with, you know, no, there's no Instagram, there's no Twitter. He did it just through hard work. Um you know, I'm sure most people, George Carlin, um, Richard Pryor, and, you know, Dave Chappelle. And uh, if there's room for a fifth, Chris Rock. Um, so, but I don't, I actually don't watch a lot of stand-up because I don't want to take ideas. So That's, that's got to be hard, though, to listen to other people's material because you kind of want to stay on your own track, so to speak, instead of trying to hear what their material is. I guess... That's like me watching other people's promos. Like, I just want to be Vicky Guerrero. I don't want to try and be someone else when I'm really just this one person. And you are like, no one's promos are like yours. Like, you know, you've, uh, and I mean this in the nicest way, but you've perfected that annoying heel. Like, when you come out there and say, excuse me, it makes me, now, if I didn't know you, it makes me like, oh, I hate this person. That voice <laughs> and like the 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 smug look on your face. But you know, like I said at the beginning, I, I can't hate you. Like it's like when I met Jay Lethal, like he was so nice. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't I think I walked away. I'm like, dude, you're ruining your image of being a dick. I, I can't do it. I love Jay. But, you know, something that you mentioned, you know, when we were younger, you know, in our living room when I was, at, you know, in high school, we watched All in the Family, the Jeffersons. We watched, um, I don't know what that movie was about, uh, with all the girls that grew up in a boarding school. It had, uh, gosh, I can't remember, but it had, um, I don't know, but there was a lot of shows that, that did talk about, you know, racial problems and, you know, uh, you know, being racist and, you know, relationship problems but the one thing that i never got sidetracked in thinking of one you know color was better than the other my my stepdad was very you know like we'll respect everybody you know we're all gonna laugh at this and it's comedy and we're gonna enjoy this but we never took it outside where he showed us you know this is tv and this is comedy but you don't treat people like that versus today I'm sure it's got to be very, uh, you have to be kind of censored, I mean, with your material, because today there's not a lot of room to have fun anymore, you know, to, you know, have those comedy shows or those shows on TV. Like, you couldn't have All in the Family on TV today, you know, because that wouldn't be acceptable. Oh, my God. No, I mean, you uh, you couldn't do a lot of TV shows. I grew up on, uh, you know, the J Jefferson's was basically the black all in the family. Um, you uh, Blazing Saddles, you couldn't. Uh, that, that's probably the most famous comedy of all time. I, I especially the first thirty minutes of that movie. I don't think you could do that. Um, 
Um, there's so many scenes from some iconic movies that I don't think you could um, do today just because of the, even a show like Roast Battle, I think why Roast Battle was so popular when it came out was because it was kind of hearkening back to those old days of, you know, very inappropriate humor, um, incredibly uh, crossing the line jokes. And, and that's why in the beginning, beginning the show got very very popular because it's like hey this is kind of cool um but then i think right around when uh, the harvey weinstein uh stuff started coming out and there was a, a which obviously i'm glad it did uh, uh it was uh, a general getting back to oh yeah we can't we can't do this type of humor right now it's just too um i mean i did a joke in my second TV battle, and you, you have to understand, I was, this is my first time on TV. My heart was going a, a mile a minute. And I'll give Comedy Central this. They turned this abandoned theater in Montreal into basically like an octagon. Um, it, it was, and I felt like it was my WrestleMania. It was, it was uh, or my uh, full gear. We'll go AEW. Okay, yeah. Uh, this my full my all out uh yeah yes uh, mjf against john moxley subtle plug there and uh so the and it was like a it was like a sci-fi it was really an amazing for your first time on television this didn't suck uh and uh, they call my name out and uh the door opens and it, it seemed like you know a million people were out there and uh i'm battling this uh my really funny friend tom ballard from australia who's gay in real life and uh he does his joke and then right when i'm about to do my first joke i see a guy in the front row with a skakel army shirt on and i i'm like <laughs> just the fact that someone took the time to make their own skakel army shirt and i'm sure you've had that a million times someone makes a special vicky shirt or eddie or you know Guerrero family shirt and I almost lost the battle because I was just staring at this guy but I did a um I'll just say this and Kevin Hart was judging so I, I thought well I'm gonna do uh, a joke that kills two birds with one stone it's gonna be a gay joke and an African-American joke I'm gonna tie it all in one joke and it's a pretty funny joke <laughs> but it's not one I would say right now um just because it's a different even though that was only six years ago it's just a different era um yeah so uh i hope that we can not necessarily go back to the the wildly inappropriate stuff but maybe find a common happy medium yeah. at some point but look at what? some of the rest of the you know, look at some of the wrestling angles from the past. Like, uh, e even though we might be getting back to it with daddy ass, uh, is, I, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you could do a Billy and Chuck angle again. Um, you know, that's probably my favorite wrestling angle from the last, say, 20 years, just because of the stupidity of it. Um, I don't know if Rico, who was the, the manager, I don't know if he 
he's gay in real life. All good if he is. But he played the perfect gay wedding organizer. Um, and it's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And maybe it shouldn't be funny. It's when um, Bischoff, who, of course, is the minister, is uh, he's <laughs> doing the vows. And right before he announces the man and husband and husband, Billy Gunn just starts panicking and goes, whoa, 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 we're not gay. And the whole crowd erupted like it would be the worst thing in the world if they were. Uh, and he, he kind of saved it by going, I mean, if I was gay, I wouldn't marry Chuck. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, I don't think you could do that today. People would call it homophobic, and, and even though it's not, I mean, in terms of, uh, I don't think Eric, Chuck Palumbo, or Billy are homophobic. But, you know, I had, uh, on the Comedy Store Wrestling Podcast, we had Fred Rosser on, who is, um, I believe he's the first openly gay pro wrestler. And, you know, I, I brought that storyline up to him, and he just kind of looked at me, and he's always smiling and you know the smile kind of disappeared from his face he's like yeah i wasn't a fan um so uh you know i don't and i i don't even know if you could do a character like kamala in this day and age like in turn you know i look back at some of the uh african-american portrayals of, of black wrestlers you know and i i don't know if you could do like junkyard dog i i, I don't know if you could do that today like um, or Kamala, you know, being, you know, some untrained savage, <laughs> you know, with the grass skirt and like that would, uh, let's just say, I don't think that would um, go over too well in this era. Um, I think even so, like with uh, me and Edge, you know, portraying infidelity when I was going to get married to Edge and he finally <laughs> him in the wedding planner, you know, have, making out on his couch, you know, I mean, but to me, I mean, I grew up with the, in the wrestling where it's entertainment and it was just another storyline and the fans at, at that time loved it you know where infidelity yeah i can relate to that you know that's a good story you know but it, it's just uh, today we, we probably couldn't do something like that because there'd be you know the nays and the you know the people you know grumbling but you know entertainment is just it's just a it could be a free form of speech and and to have fun but these days it is kind of hard to like have fun with those same storylines from like 10 years ago which is why every now and then and i'm i'm not getting paid any money to to plug this other company uh there's a, a small company um they're more or less california based called xpw and uh they are uh really i'm trying to describe them they are like ecw with no money or budget uh or storylines they just wing it and uh they are the only ones that are kind of going back to that uh, uh Ten years ago. <laughs> yes like they have a wrestler by the name of angel and uh i don't know if he's gay in real life or not um and if he's not gay he's a great actor um and and he he's pretty funny with some of the um inappropriate uh, moves he does in the ring i'll just say that uh but you know it, it's it's weird because sometimes i feel bad like wanting to see that stuff again because i grew up on it but i also 
I understand, um, you know, in today's uh, climate, you probably can't have um, a gay wedding angle or, a, you know, an untrained yeah. savage. You know, I look at most of the characters in AEW are, are fairly tame, you know, uh, even, uh, you know, there's no really uh, characters in either company that are portrayed as being, you know, like Abdullah the Butcher from the Sudan and he's really from Canada. Like, like what? He's, his name's Larry. Well, I don't want to hear that. So, um, you know. So do you have any projects coming up that you can, you like to promote? Well, I am working on my own special, which these days, most comedy specials aren't very special. So, you know, they're just, you know, you could literally Photoshop one comic and another comic special and it all looks the same. So um, hopefully by June, we're working on some funny ideas, um, you know, just to make it look. My goal with this special is to have someone like you, you're on the road, you're in the hotel or you're at home coming off a long road trip and I'll watch some comedy and you turn on a Netflix special and it's random comic and random arena but you see my special and you're like what the hell is this you know i might be completely i might be in a wrestling outfit i might be dressed up as the ultimate warrior uh, awesome. i'm watching oh and you'd be like oh shit that's earl um so and then i'm at the yeah i mean i i just want it to be different and that's why i'm trying to draw on some wrestling references and and uh my love of, of uh that uh you know I get so much of my delivery from 80s pro wrestlers, you know, uh, you know, my whole roast battle character was completely ripped off from Rick Rude. It's just the, the lovable heel. Um, even though, and it's very much like the Archie Bunker way, even though Rick Rude wasn't saying anything racist, he, he would look at a girl and call her fat in the audience and she would applaud, like, just because of the way he said it. Um, so that's something I'm working on, but it, it's not going to be out anytime soon. And I'm at the comedy store several times a week. So if you have any fans or uh, family members or, or pro wrestlers who are in LA, uh, please let, let me know. And, uh, you know, I'm auditioning constantly for animation stuff because um, my voice is pretty deep. So yeah, you have a great voice. And I know some wrestlers that we might be able to hit a show or two when we're in LA. So I, I, oh, I would love that. I would mark out if I came out on stage in the main room and saw you, uh, Jay Lethal, and uh, hell, Satin Singh. My God, is that guy giant? Um, he, I mean, he's like the next giant Gonzalez. Uh, or if I saw Sting, like Vicky, I will never ask anyone for a favor on a podcast, but. I got to be honest with you, and I probably should have said this to you in text or in an email. Uh, I don't have many people I want to meet in my life. I've, I've met them all, you, Ric Flair, DDP. Um, but as you can tell, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a fan of uh, Mr. Borden, and I hear he's a fairly nice guy. There's Hi. only three people I want to meet I haven't met. And they're all wrestlers. None of them are comics uh, or celebrities. It's Nikita Koloff, Sting, and Sid. And I'm just starting it out there in the universe. <laughs> well, I'm listening. And Earl, I just <laughs> want to say first before we say goodbye that 
you did an outstanding job at Rick's Roast. I mean, I had the the whole time, I think we had like three hours on stage and I thought it was, it felt like 30 minutes because it went by so fast and we laughed so much. And I just want to thank you for just, I feel honored from the jokes that you gave and the fans loved it. And we were to be to sit with Rick and to pay tribute to him. And I just want to say thank you because that night I got to gain a friend, which is you, and then to enjoy the whole weekend with you was something I'll, I'll keep close to my heart. Oh, I mean, I um, try not to cry when I say this because I, I, like you mean so much to me. Your family does. Um, you know, when I was researching you, um, you know, I, I do do research for the roast because, uh, you know, the toughest thing for roast is to say something mean about someone you don't have anything mean to say about. Uh, so I yeah. watched some of your clips and then like the last clip I watched was your... Um, um, your um, um Eddie's introduction into the Hall of Fame, and um, you know, I was like, no, I, I don't, I'm not, I hate bringing up. Uh, hopefully, that's a good memory, um, for you. Um, but it was, um, you know, it's like after that, I started crying, of course. And I'm like, I can't say anything mean about this woman, um. So, <laughs> Um, and then, you know, obviously with Rick, I mean, I, I, I can't even count the memories he's given me. Um, you know, comedy is a very, um, uh, it's not a funny business a lot of times. It's a sad business. And uh, so whenever I get sad or overwhelmed, I, I literally watch you or wrestling promos just to, and promos I've seen a thousand times uh, and I, they still make me. Like uh, my favorite, and I know we got to go, but um, my favorite recent promo is the one Kenny Omega had. Uh, hopefully he's back in AEW, but we'll, who knows? Uh, he had a great promo with Will Ospreay uh, where it was, I, you know, it was just, it. I feel, it makes me feel good every time I watch it just because you could tell it's half real, half uh, scripted and, uh, so thank you. The whole point of this babbling is so I don't cry anymore. Um, I don't think I've ever cried on a podcast before, but uh, oh, um, maybe that'll get my ratings up a little bit. <laughs> probably not. I can see the hate mail already. What are you crying, you old man? But uh, you know, you guys do so much for us as entertainers. Um, you know, I I cried with you backstage at the last match i don't think you saw me but i was just like telling you how much you meant to me and um you know i, I cried when i met magnum pa and i cried when i talked to bully ray at, at, at the end of the roast we were talking at the front of the stage and you know he's a pretty intimidating looking guy and, uh you know i just started in my brain talking to him remembering all the the tough um not not stunts but tough spots he would do and and you did it you know, you broke your body for my entertainment. Um, so uh, thank you. I mean, the honor was all mine. The only negative towards the whole weekend was at the after party after Rick's last match, he, his wife, ex-wife, Wendy, sorry, it's confusing with Rick to keep up with his women. Woo, <laughs> Wendy motioned for me to come over and Rick gave me a hug. He kissed me on the lips, which I probably could have done without. Um, and he's like, you were my favorite one thanks, Ron. And I'm like, uh, 
my name's Earl, uh, but sure. <laughs> so thank <Cool>. you. <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. email you as soon as we're done. And I really mean this. I want to pay because I don't take anything for free because you've got to make money too. Your family's provided me with the hundreds of hours of entertainment. I want an Eddie doll, a Vicky doll, and a picture, and I'll pay your price. Like Ted DiBiase said, we all have a price. Well, I can't uh, Well, you're my friend, and I'd be happy to do that for you. I'll do your show. I'll give you some merch, and it's a trade-off. That's what we'll do. And that's why we're friends. I'll give you a ride. I'll be your personal valet. I'll take you to the comedy store. Uh, and, and if Sting needs the ride, I'll be down to keep, put him in the back. You're, you get the front seat. And I know he's a reborn Christian, so I'll cool it on the wacky humor. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I'll, I'll make some jokes about the Last Supper or something. I don't know. Uh, so um, I love you, Vicky. Thank you so, so much. I love you, Earl, and thank you for doing my show. I You don't know how much this means to me, and I will see you in a couple of months, and we will have a fun week together. I mean, the I, I know we got to go, but, like, the honor was 100% all mine. Like, you are iconic. You're uh, not only you, your whole family are legendary in the business, um, and, you know, there's not many legends in wrestling. There's a lot of wannabes, but, like, when people say, even non-wrestling fans know who the Guerreros are. It's, you're in that rarefied air of the Guerreros, the Von Erics, um, and I'm sure I'm missing one right now. Um, SD Jones and his brother, I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> well, I'm running out of names, but uh, I love you very much. Love you too. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and um, I'll email you after we hang up. Please do. Send me your PayPal. I'm sending you some cash. Okay, yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, Vicky. -bye. Bye, <laughs> <Bye, Earl. Nikki. laughs> wow.